Blog Talk Radio. Stephen B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler from the state of North Carolina with my co-host Tim Bent from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Cordo from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of of Florida. We're just so grateful that you're tuning into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. We ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a really exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for my co-host, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com, or you can give me a call, Steve B's Me Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks... Get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask you to bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we praise you will be with my co-hosts, Glenn McMillan and Robert Lee Johnson on the show this evening as they break into our listeners, the bread of life. We also pray that you will bless them and their families that support their efforts. They may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you would be with our listeners who are tuning in via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, 
that they may consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. For we recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful unto death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to our broadcast. Our speakers for this evening's show, my co-host Glenn McMillian. He serves with the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we will not have a shout-out question on the broadcast uh, this evening. And we will only have another segment to close out the show by my co-host Robert Lee Johnson, who serves as the evangelist for the New Horizon Church of Christ there in Lake City, Florida. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next worship is that of my co-host, Glenn McMillian. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
that gospel light Let it shine, let it shine You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Glenn McMillian, and his subject, P, is for preservation of the saints. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Gospel Light Radio Show. And once again, we are talking about uh, the five points of Calvinism and why, uh, specifically, why that is leading to uh, people abandoning not only uh, the churches that teach this doctrine, but Christianity as a whole. Um, So we already talked about the other four pillars, uh, T, which is total depravity, where they teach that you are are born in sin and you have uh, no control over that. There's nothing you can do about that. you, unconditional election, God decides out of all of these uh, corrupt, totally deprived people who he is going to save uh, based on no conditions, no uh, effort on your part, just by his own arbitrary whim, who he's going to save. Uh, L, limited atonement, Christ died only to save those who were chosen. Not those, uh, not anyone else in that that pool of uh, of people. Uh, and then last time I was on, we talked about I, the the irresistible grace. If you've been chosen uh, to be saved, you will be saved, uh, no matter what, whether you want to be or not. Whether you, if God has to drag you into heaven, kicking and screaming, He will do so. And so tonight we're talking about the last pillar, uh, P, which is preservation or preservance or there's different words that they use for it uh, of the saints um, and and basically what that means is once you're saved you are always saved and again rather than me uh, defining and explaining this we will use their words uh, to so that I, I can avoid mischaracterizing what they're teaching uh, this is a quote from a Baptist preacher, Mr. Sam Morris. He used to preach in Stanford, Texas. He wrote an article called, Do, Do a Christian Sins Damn His Soul? And here's the quote. We take the position that a Christian sins do not damn his soul. The way a Christian lives, what he says, his character, his conduct, his attitude towards other people have nothing whatsoever to do with the salvation of his soul. And all the sins he may commit from murder to idolatry will not make his soul in any more danger. So as you can see, there is in the mind of the Calvinist no connection between sin 
and salvation in terms of what you do. Again, Calvinism doesn't define sin in the way that we normally uh, have come to understand it. Sin is not things that you do. Sin is a condition that you have, and, and everybody has it. They're born, as they call it, total depravity. And if God chooses to save you, he's going to do it in spite of you being in a sinful condition. And whether or not you show any outward sign of that salvation uh, has nothing to do with it. You're either chosen or you're not, or you're not, and no one can say anything otherwise. So within the context of Calvinism, when you put all of those things together, it kind of makes sense. Again, Calvinism is a logical system more than it is a doctrinal system. And logically, it follows that if God has chosen people to be saved, then obviously nothing can counteract the sovereign will of God. Nothing can uh, stop the person that he has chosen to be saved from being saved. And therefore, if they're chosen, you are preserved. You are going to be saved um, whether or not anybody has anything negative to say about it. And it has nothing to do with what you do or how you act or what you how you are, because it's un- that grace is unconditional. We've already established that um, several lessons ago. So the problem, again, is with this doctrine, is that it's not limited to this Calvinist space. You know, we talked about um, how most of these things are contained within the system, and this doctrine of once saved, always saved, especially pernicious because it's, it is extended beyond the Calvinist system to many other types of Christians and denominations also teach some version of once you're saved, you're always saved, even though they lack the logical basis that Calvinism has for this, this doctrine. In the system of Calvinism, it makes sense because God has chosen you to be saved. In, in, other, in a free will system, however, if you chose to be saved, then how can you not have the choice to not be saved? Or how can you be, how is God now obligated to honor that choice that you made a long time ago, even if you, you do not follow up with the obligations uh, that are associated with that? So, Again, what we are primarily concerned with is not necessarily dealing with this doctrine when we're talking to other Christians, even though that is a necessary part of having conversations and bringing people who are in denominational systems into a better understanding of the doctrine of Christ. But we're talking about how does this look to an outsider? How does this look to a person who grew up in this system and is now considering the implications of the system. If you grew up as a Calvinist, a Calvinist and you grew up in this, this type of church and when you really think about what this is saying, what this man has said, that nothing that you do has any effect on the condition of your soul. 
what logical conclusion are you going to draw from that? Obviously, you're going to think the way that uh, Paul, you know, in, in Romans chapter 3, Paul deals with and tries to cut this off at, at the knees. He says, uh, it, it, let's find a verse, uh, verse 5. In, in Romans chapter 3 it says, If our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God What shall we say The God who inflicts wrath on us is not righteous Not unrighteous is he I am speaking in human terms May it never be For otherwise how will God judge the world But if through my lie The truth of God abounded to his glory Why am I still being judged as a sinner And why not say As we are slanderously reported As some claim we say let us do evil that good may come. Their condemnation is just. So Paul, even way back then, in introducing the, the doctrine of grace to people at the very earliest part of Christianity, was having this problem that we're still having now because people are teaching this doctrine. When people hear the fact that we're saved by grace, and especially if you tell them that once you're saved, you're always saved, the first thing they think is, okay, if if that is the case, then why do I need to change my life at all? Why can't I just continue to do what I'm doing? And the God's glory, God's uh, grace is going to be magnified because he's going to save even me in, in my completely rebellious state. Um, so let's continue just to, to live that way. Uh, Paul will come back in, in, in chapter 6 of the same book and say, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> may it never be, as it says in some, in some versions. So Paul is, and, 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 and not just Paul, but all of the, the writers of the New Testament are constantly uh, warning us against this horrible uh, twisted way of thinking about the doctrine of grace that just because God grants us grace that God will save us in our imperfect condition does not mean that we do not have the obligation to change to a more perfect condition Sanctification is part of the requirement for our exaltation, our justification, um, and is necessary for us to not only believe Christ, but to remain in Christ. Jesus says himself in, in John that whoever abides in me, <laughs> abide means that we must continue in this path. It's not a one-time thing. Uh, one of the famous uh, Baptist philosophers, if you want to call him that, uh, Charles Spurgeon, has a quote where he says, that you do not have to have a continual life of faith. All it takes is a one-time event of faith, and, you, and you're good to go from, from there. Um, and if that were the case, <laughs> if, if that's the way it works, then... And, and if that is the way, and that is the way that people have perceived that it works, then we we can understand why we're seeing the exodus that we're seeing. If 
it's true that once I believed at one point and I, I do not have any more obligation to remain in the system, to continue to believe these things, continue to behave as if I believe these things, I can just go and do my own thing. And if it's true, then I'm, I'm okay because God is obligated to save me based on that other thing. And, then, and if it's not true, what have I lost? Right? I haven't lost anything. I haven't gained anything that I wasn't going to be able to gain by staying. There's no difference between being a faithful Christian and being a former Christian if God is obligated to save me each way. We've got to deal with heading off this, this negative mentality. What does the Bible actually say about can a Christian lose their salvation? And how do we maintain a relationship with Christ? And how do we go about ex- explaining this to people who have left the building? Um, so, again, one of the, the main verses that, the, that Calvinists use to teach this verse, or teach this doctrine, is John chapter 10 and verse 29 where it says, my father has given them to me, is, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So they take this verse to mean that God has given him those who will be saved, and, those, and the people who shall be saved cannot lose their salvation. They cannot lose their position in his hand. But there's a couple of things that we need to look at the wording. Number one, who are the people that God has given, or those people, the people who are chosen, are those people select themselves. We talked about when we talked about predestination that when, whenever these kinds of discussions are, are being talked about, he's always talking about a collective, and. This collective has been chosen. This collective has been selected. This collection has been given. But whether or not you are part of that collection is your choice to make. And there are conditions in order to be a part of that collection. In order to be a part of the church, you must undergo baptism. You must uh, undergo the salvation process. In order to have... uh, faith in God and, and, and be in Christ, you must put on Christ. And so once you are given to, to Christ in that way, then yes, nothing can snatch you out of his hands. Well, that word snatch implies something. That, that means that it's taken against the will of the person who is being taken out of them. That, so if you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, trying your best to be a Christian, you cannot be taken uh, out against your will. But there's nothing saying that a person cannot leave on their own accord. We're going to come back to uh, a parable of Christ that I think examines this or explains this much more clearly. But 
let's look at some other, some other verses. There, there's literally dozens of verses throughout Scripture that are, again, warning us not to be complacent, warning us that we need to repent, warning us that we need to maintain a relationship with Christ. Otherwise, our, our position of safety is no longer safe. Uh, so just for a couple that I, that I can think of off the top of my head that I have open right now, uh, Galatians chapter 5. Starting at verse 1, it was from freedom that God set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Already in verse 1, we have a command to keep standing, to remain where we are, not be subject again. That means we can go back to the yoke of slavery. This, this sentence makes no sense if it was impossible for us to fall back into a position of not being saved. But he goes on. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. So again, he's not talking to unsaved people. All of the letters are sent to the church. The church are the collection of people who have already been saved. He's telling people, if you've already been saved, if you go back to these Gentile Christians, if you start to do the law of Moses, Christ is not no longer benefit of you. You lose the advantages of being in Christ. Verse 3, again, I testify to you that every man who receives circumcision is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Baptists will flat out tell you it's impossible to fall from grace. Paul's telling you not only is it possible, but there are people who have fallen from grace because they went back to the law of Moses instead of Second Peter. The entire book of Second Peter is a warning to the church about false prophets who are going to come in and and convince people to stop following the way of Christ. This letter makes no sense. There's no reason for Paul to write this letter if it's impossible for a, for a Christian to lose their salvation, if it's impossible for a person to fall away from from Christ. Why are we, why is this whole letter being written to warn us about false prophets? Second Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 1. False prophets also rose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Again, this is especially important when we're dealing with those who are brought up in the Calvinist system or defend the Calvinist system. Because he says, you can deny the master who bought them. Again, Christ only died for those who were saved, who were chosen to be saved. So this is not talking about people who are not saved, who are not chosen, who are not elect. He's saying that people can deny who bought them, 
So these are the elect can bring the swift destruction upon themselves. So it is possible for even the elect, even if you're talking in in the, the, if you give the Calvinists their their entire uh, five-point system and say, we'll we'll let you have that, this verse still kills the last last pillar. And again, once once you take that one pillar of the system, the entire system falls flat. They, they, all of the, the pillars must exist in, in order to support the weight of the assertions that they're making. And this verse, even if you give them everything else, will knock the whole thing down. Because the person who was bought, that means they were elect. That means they are supposed to be eternally secure. Can bring swift destruction upon themselves by introducing destructive heresies, by teaching false doctrine, by not remaining in a proper and right relationship with Christ. Let's jump over to chapter 3 of Second Peter. And looking at verse 17. It says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. Again, these people are already steadfast. They're they're safe. They're saved. But what does he tell them? Be on your guard. Why? So that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall. A person who is secure, who is saved, who is safe in Christ, can fall if they follow after false doctrine. And again, there there are dozens more, and I would run out of time if I tried to go through them all. So I'm going to go back to an illustration that I, I did last time I was here. Um, and, and show how, you know, you know, we're talking about the letters of Paul, and some people say, okay, Paul is, is great and all, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, no one can snatch them out of my hand. So, okay, let's talk about, about what Jesus said. And we go back to the parable of the lost son. We talked about this last time. We were, I think it's one of the most well-known parables in Jesus' ministry. The prodigal son, he is in his father's house. He asks for his inheritance. He leaves of his own accord and goes into a far country where he wastes his life. And then he decides, again, of his own accord to come back. And the father then accepts him back. So last week, our last time we were talking about irresistible grace, so we made, we were focusing on the fact that all of these things were his decisions. The father did not go out and pull him down. He made the decision to come back on his own. And this week, we want to look at it from the, from the other side. So we talked about that this, this parable 
damages every pillar of the Calvinist system. Number one, total depravity is out of the out of the picture because the initial position of the son is inside the house. He's inside the house, and then he chooses of his own accord, therefore getting rid of total depravity, therefore getting rid of irresistible grace. He chooses of his own accord to leave. Now, some will say, okay, this, this is not talking about initial position. This is talking about after he is saved. So a person doesn't become a child of God until they are saved. Therefore, he is saved before this starts. Okay, that doesn't help you. In fact, that hurts you even more when you talk about preservation of the saints. Because if we're not talking about a person who has never been lost, we're talking about a person who has already been saved and then is now going back into a lost position when he asks for the inheritance and goes to So either way you want to slice that, this, this either says that a person is saved or is in a safe position before they're initially lost, or a person can be lost again after they attain salvation, after they become a child of God. They can choose to take their inheritance to go into a, 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 a wasteful, a lost position. I mean, this is the parable of the lost son. The word lost is, is used, that, that, that word is associated with destruction, associated with, with all of the, the condemnation uh, that we associate with people who are not saved, who've never been saved. So this is the parable of the lost son. And, and how does the father describe the son when he comes back? He was lost, but now he is found. He was dead, and now he is alive. So was he dead because he was dead because he left? Now, did he choose to, choose to leave? Was that the first time he chose to leave? Or was this after he was saved and then he chose to leave? Either way, it's going to either destroy the first pillar of the, the Calvinist system if it's the initial chosen, choosing to leave because there is a state before his lostness where he was saved. But if you're, if on the other hand, if you're saying that it was, this is not the initial salvation, or the initial act of salvation. This is after he is saved. You're killing the other end of the of the of the system. The 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 P falls because you're saying that a person who was saved can choose to leave, and at that point, he is being described by God. Who represents who, who is represented by the Father in this story as having been lost, as having been dead, and then coming back. So any way you slice it, if you understand and, and take the implications of the parable of the lost son, uh, there's no way you can hold to the Calvinist position and And, and see any truth in what Jesus is saying. Because he's saying that 
lostness is a function of things that we do, things that we choose to do. We choose, we are in a safe position. Either we, are, we start out innocent or we have become safe. Either way, you want to, you want to interpret the initial position. At that point, we choose to do things that are contrary to the will of God. We choose to live our life in rebellion to the will of God. At that point, we become lost. Whether we were ever saved before or we had, had been saved before, we're still in a lost position at that point. And it's only when we return, when we decide to go back to God on our own accord, of our own accord, God will always accept us back. And that that relationship can be restored. So a person who doesn't choose that, though, a person who remains in that far country, who never comes to a sense of the, as the word says, who never chooses to come back of his own volition, what is what is their final state? Again, the father says it himself in the in the parable. He was lost. That means that while he was in that country, while he remained in that state, he is lost. While he remains in that far country, he is dead as far as the father is concerned. And it is only when he chooses to come back that he is found, that he is alive again. So a person who has been saved can choose to not be saved again, can choose to not maintain the relationship. That's why, again, the words of Jesus in, in John chapter 15, they must abide in me. He who does not abide in me is cast out. Abiding in me means that they have to remain. They have to continue to walk. They have to continue to do the work. They have to continue to um, work towards sanctification and repentance. Um, so if you're not going to listen to Paul, Jesus is saying the same thing. This is not a one-time get out of town free card when you say, well, I believe in Jesus, and then the next day you can decide that oh, maybe not, maybe I'll just go do my own thing. And God is still obligated to drag you into heaven taking the streets. That, that's not the way it works. Uh, it, the Bible makes it very clear that we got to be on our game. We got to be on our guard. We've got to be aware. Another verse in, in the letters of Paul that Satan roams about like a roaring lion to see who he can devour. If we can't lose our salvation, what's the point? <laughs> why? Why should we, we be worried about roaring lions or being devoured if? We're going to be saved anyway. 
So this is the this is what the Bible actually says. So how do we again get we've got to get this message to the people who have decided that they can live their lives in a way that they want to and, and how dangerous is this? Again, I, I will quote another Baptist preacher, uh, a Bill Faster from Louisville, Kentucky, in one of his sermons says, if I killed my wife and mother and debauched a thousand women, I couldn't go to hell. In fact, I couldn't go to hell if I wanted to. This is how far this doctrine is being taken. There, they, there are people who literally say they believe in Jesus, they believe, or at least at one point they believed in Jesus, but now are, and that now makes them free to do whatever they want to do because God has to save them. Once saved, always saved. So basically, I'm going to go live my life the way I want to live, and then it doesn't matter. And once we, and, and, and once you internalize that doctrine, of course we're going to see a drop off of, of church attendance. Of course we're going to see a drop off of being part of any kind of denomination because it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm going to be saved anyway. I'm going to, it, it does, it's not going to affect me one way or the other. How I live my life doesn't change anything. So why should I waste the Sunday morning? And why should I stop doing things I like doing if it doesn't matter? The truth is it matters, and it matters a lot. And and the Bible is very clear on the fact that repentance from dead works is necessary for our ultimate justification and exaltation through sanctification, through the process of getting our lives more and more in line with the life that Christ lived. And we need to impress this upon the people that we come across. That it's, it's, this, is, this is not a game. This is not a, a free-for-all where we can do anything we want. The, the Bible gives us expectations. It gives us standards that it requires us to, uh, in order to, if we say that we are followers of Christ, then our life needs to reflect that. That doesn't mean we need to be perfect, that we have to be sinless in order to maintain salvation. But it does mean that we have to try as best we can to walk in the light. And if we do sin, as, as, as John says, we have an advocate with the Father. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins as long as we are confess those sins. Um, we've got to confess the sins, repent of the sins, and keep moving forward. We can't just say, what's he going to do? <laughs> because what you're going to do is... Um, send you somewhere you, you don't want to go. So I hope that that has been helpful to you. I hope that, that is, this is something that you can use in your 
conversations with the people that you are, are talking to, if they if you run into somebody who's convinced that you know, once saved, always saved, and, and I can do whatever I want to do, you, you better show them what the Bible actually says about this, that, that uh, God is expecting more from you. And if you truly do believe in God, truly do uh, believe that, that God exists and that God will do what he says he's going to do, he says that we must abide in it. We must repent of dead works. We must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can't allow the relationship to be severed. Lesson is yours for tonight. Uh, thank you for listening and uh, watching and participating in the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It ain't easy. No. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord. Sometimes it gets rough. So rough, so rough. Sometimes it gets tough for me Has anybody been lonely All by yourself Has anybody been sad Broken hearted and sad Have you even been
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co-host, Robert Lee Johnson, and his subject, the doctrine of the church. Thank you so much, Brother Stevie. Well, good evening, uh, good friends. It's so good to see you. It's always a joy to be able to come to you and and just to have this opportunity to study the Word of God with you. Uh, it's just an amazing opportunity given to us by God. Uh, and we're just trusting that uh, the Word of God will be uplifting to us uh, tonight and that you'll gain from it and 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 learn some things that will be helpful uh, on this Christian journey. Uh, so uh, turn over to the book of Colossians chapter, actually not Colossians, but uh, turn to Second um, John chapter 9 through 11 is where we need to begin uh, today. I commend uh, Glenn McMillan for a wonderful lesson. I always enjoy uh, hearing Brother Glenn. He takes his time and uh, he's very deliberate and very kind uh, in his presentation of uh, the Word of, of God. And I, I enjoy listening to him. He comes across as authentic and real, and he uh, has a care for those whom uh, he speaks to. So thank you, uh, Brother McMillan, for a great uh, lesson uh, tonight. <clears throat> Well, here in Second John 9 through 11, uh, we find some strong and interesting uh, words. Um, it's always good to read the Bible and, and study the Bible and, and, and see what the, the biblical writers said. Uh, you know, people have an opinion of this or that, but none of that is going to save us. What I think about a situation is not going to save us or save you, and neither will uh, can you save me based upon what you believe. We have to rely on the Bible, the Word of God. And I appreciate Stephen and other brethren who come on here and and give us the opportunity uh, to preach the gospel and the preaching that Stevie does and and uh, others on this uh, program uh, also. So here in John, John had a problem with uh, men who uh, did not believe Christ to be the Son of God. They did not accept his divinity. They did not think he was divine. And they did not believe uh, in the fact that uh, he was virgin born and and therefore denied uh, him uh, his divinity and and there's no way you can deny the divinity of Christ and be right with God you just can't you just can't do that uh, and 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 so uh, a man who accepts uh, the teaching of Christ uh, will uh, satisfy God and can 
can gain an entrance into into heaven. So may God help us to be able to understand that and and to live by it. So the Bible says in Second John uh, chapter nine. Um, I'm sorry, in Second John, yes, Second John nine through eleven, the ninth through the eleventh uh, verses. That's the one epistle of Second John that follows First John, Second John, and then Third John. But tonight we're looking at Second John nine through eleven, and I wish to read what the Word of God uh, has to say to us. The Bible says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, the Bible says, Receive him not into your house, uh, neither bid him God speed, for he that biddeth him God speed, the Bible says, is partaker of his evil deed. Uh, you see, we, uh, those of us who uh, teach and preach the word of God, we, we must be careful. Uh, we, we must be on it. Uh, we we must know what the book says, and we must have the courage to stand up for what is taught in the Bible. It's amazing today uh, regarding the church and how weak the church is in some areas. Uh, you know, the devil is out there doing his business, and we we're somewhere worried about. Uh, what the preacher is going to say and who he's going to hurt and who he's going to drive away from the church. Uh, leave the man of God alone. Let the man of God preach God's word. I mean, there are other things that we need to be concerned about other than uh, the preacher and his preaching. If Paul was concerned about what others thought about him, he would not have made the sacrifices for the kingdom that he made. Now, we just have to stand for what's right. And there's no way we are going to be able to turn the church around if we don't have a strong pulpit. You cannot have a weak pulpit today and satisfy God. That's never been the case. The pulpit should be strong. The membership should leave the preacher alone and let him preach. The man got souls that he has to turn to the Lord. And if he's worried about what he what what he's going to say, what he's permitted to say, that's going to be a problem. And I blame many of the ministers today in our brotherhood who uh, teach soft gospel because they don't want to offend anybody. When you read about the prophets, when you read about Paul, 
When you read about the apostles, they taught the word of God. There's no way you can preach the gospel without offending somebody. Somebody's going to be offended. Hopefully the devil will be. But what I'm telling you tonight is we need to grow in God's grace until we can accept the word of God and allow that word to have free course in the world. That's why the church is in the shape it is in now. Because men are no longer preaching strong gospel. They're preaching lessons that they can preach in any church in the land. And some are proud to do that. I'm not. I don't do that. I have never done that. And I'm not looking forward to doing that in the future. I must preach what God says. And you must preach what God says if you are a minister of the gospel. Now let's take a look at some of these scriptures that we are going to introduce tonight. My subject is the doctrine of the church. The word doctrine means teaching. Doctrine is what we teach. Doctrine comes from two sources. Number one, it comes from God. And number two, it comes from the minds of men. And if we are teaching man-made doctrine, all we are doing is leading people closer to hell every time they hear us preach. You got to have a mind to do what God wants you to do. Now look at look at what John said to uh, the church in his day and time. He says, "Whosoever doesn't matter who it is, elders, preacher, whoever, church member, whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ." John says, you cannot be saved, you cannot go to heaven, you cannot lead men to heaven if you're outside of the doctrine of Christ. People say, well, it doesn't matter about uh, the teaching, it doesn't matter about the doctrine, just, just teach something. No, that is not true. You can't just teach something, you must teach what is in the Bible, you must teach the word of God. That's what John was concerned about. The doctrine of the church is the teaching of Christ. The doctrine of the church is the apostles' doctrine. The doctrine of the church is the word of God given to us in the New Testament law of Jesus Christ. Anything else that you teach is contrary to the will and the mind of Jesus Christ. Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. Now, how plain is that? See, people say, well, you can teach what you want to teach. Well, if you do, you don't have, you do not have God. You do not have Christ. You do not have the Holy Spirit, and you cannot go to heaven. That's very clear from from these verses. And then 
See, if you're outside of the teaching of Christ, you can't be saved, and you will call you will cause many to be lost. The Bible is right. And then the scripture says, He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. What the Bible says about the divinity of Christ is right. What the Bible says about what Jesus taught is right. Both are under consideration. You cannot, you, one cannot deny his divinity. One cannot deny the teaching of Christ in any way. And be right with God. And the Bible says, He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. Isn't that what we want? <laughs> well, the Bible tells us how we can have that. One need to abide in the doctrine of Christ. And then the Bible says that there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, this specific body of knowledge, of teaching, that Jesus gave to the apostles and they taught it to the world. That is what we must have today. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. We have to be careful who we fellowship. There are some people who don't care. There are some ministers of the gospel who don't care. They'll fellowship anybody. Those who are in fellowship, those who are out of fellowship, those who teach false doctrine, those who teach the truth, they don't care if they are fellowship anybody. And some of those people don't have the doctrine of Christ. The Bible says, listen, the Bible says do not receive that person or have fellowship with that individual. And then John says, when they are out of the doctrine of Christ, for he that, and the Bible says, don't bid him God speak. Imagine telling a false teacher that he's all right. Imagine giving the false teacher the right hand of fellowship. <coughs> God is saying that you can't do that. And we better not be doing it. The scripture says, For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. How can a man be right with God when he denies the worship service of God? 
How can a man be right with God when he allows something in the church that Christ does not allow in the church? And brethren, just sweep it under the rug. The more you can get away with, the more popular one is today, the more he can get away with. He may do that with man, but he can't do that with God. And so the Bible says, don't tell them that they are all right because they're not all right. The scripture tells us that. So we'll use that scripture to move us into the lesson tonight. Now, the doctrine of the church, the church does not incorporate the doctrines and traditions of men. We are not to be accepting the doctrines and and traditions of men. The church that Jesus built is a spiritual church. That church operates by the doctrine of Christ, not by the doctrines of men. Listen to what Paul said to the church in Colossae. Turn, turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. And let's look at verses 16 through 23. Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 16 through 23. <clears throat> This is what Paul said. He said, let no man therefore judge you. Well, let me back up to verse number 14. He said, blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. He's talking about the law of Moses. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in me or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. That's what Paul said. He's pointing out to the Christian in the Colossian congregation that Jesus died and took the law of Moses out of the way. And so when people say today that we are living under the law of Moses or one must keep the law of Moses to be saved, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. So uh, tonight the church does not incorporate the doctrines and traditions of men. The church does not incorporate uh, 
even religions that have passed and that are no longer binding on the church today. People say, well, you need to keep the law to be saved. No, you don't. Because the Bible says Christ nailed the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, Christ nailed it to the cross. He stripped it of its power. There's no power in keeping the law of Moses today. And you cannot keep the law of Moses and satisfy Christ. Paul says it very plainly. He blotted it out. He took it out of the way. He nailed it to his cross. Why? Because Christ was going to bring in his law, his way, his will, his covenant. He had to get rid of one to bring in another one. Most of the religious world today, in order to be saved, men will tell you, you need to keep the law of Moses. That is so untrue. I've just shown you in the Bible. And there are script. I can give you scripture upon scripture upon scripture that says we're not under Moses' law. We're under the law of Christ. And that's the law. That we are to live by. Paul said, don't let no man judge you today in these things that once were alive and, and that God honored. God does not honor the law anymore because God has a new religion. Now, now no, no, no what it says here. Uh, the Bible says, let no man therefore, verse 16 of Colossians 2, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body, the Bible says, the body is of Christ. The body is the church. Christ works through the church today. He does not work through the law of Moses. Christ works through the New Testament law today. And so that's what we must recognize and understand. So no, uh, we're not to incorporate the doctrines of men. So when men are telling you things, listen, you need to ask, where does the Bible say that? You can start a posting on Facebook, and everybody will come there with their opinion, even those in the church today. They have their opinions. But then when you, when, when you ask them and they'll just state their opinion, they have no scripture <laughs> to support them whatsoever. But they'll say this, and they'll say that, and they'll say this, and the things that they're saying are totally corrupt and wrong. You need to be in Bible class somewhere trying to learn the word of God. Instead of all over Facebook, putting stuff out that is untrue and not according to the will of God. 
Now, the scripture says, the scripture says, and see, when a man preaches, he ought to be preaching the Bible. Not what he thinks or what he believes. He needs to preach the Bible. I haven't told you anything about what I believe. I've told you what the Bible says. The church does not preach any other gospel but the gospel of Jesus Christ, which was delivered to the world through the apostles. And if a church today, if we are out here preaching and it's not the word of God, we're not helping people. We're causing men to be lost. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians I'm sorry, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. You know, there used to be a time when uh, when men taught the Bible, that's what they studied, the Bible. But today, uh, you got your opinion, another person got their opinion, someone else got their opinion, and one opinion is just as good as another, and that's true. Because the only thing that's weighty and the only thing that matters is what the Bible says. Now listen at what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Paul said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Preach for him. He said, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that you have received, let it be a curse. Our preachers today are following behind denominational leaders. They are, they are all struck by Creflo Dollar and T.D. Jakes, Rod Parsley, Josh Myers. Those people are good speakers, but they're not preaching the gospel. So, well, Brother Johnson, why would you say that? Because it's true. They are not preaching the gospel. They are not preaching the gospel that Jesus sent from heaven. They are not preaching the gospel that Paul preached. Do you not hear what Paul said? This is not Brother Johnson. This is what the Bible says. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you. And the Bible said would pervert the gospel of Christ. That's what we have today. We have a bunch of change agents in the world today. 
in the church today. We got people who are change agents. They want to change everything around. They want the church to fellowship with denominations. They don't want you to mention anything about denominational churches because that's offensive. But it's not offensive to me, and it's not offensive to those who love the truth. Paul said if they preach any other gospel, you have to point out the false teachings that are in the church today. How are men going to know it if you don't point it out? How will men know if you, if you don't tell them that this church is not in the Bible? <laughs> people say, but oh, you're going to offend people. Well, I'm offended when men don't do it. How about that? Gospel is what saves people, not the doctrines of men. And the church needs to grow and get strong so that we can stand on the word of God. Paul said in verse 7, listen at this, which is not another. In other words, it's not another like the one he preached. Think about it. If it was the same thing that Paul preached, there would have been no need for it. These men were teaching a different gospel. And Paul said it, Paul said truly, truly, I don't believe it. I'm not going to stand for it. And I'm going to tell people that what you are teaching is not according to the word of God. That's what we have to tell people today. What these people are teaching is not according to the will of God. It cannot save you, but it can cause you to be lost. And so the church must take seriously this responsibility. Paul said, though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. The Bible says, let him be a curse. A false teacher teaches a different gospel than the gospel that God gave. We have to point that out to people. We have to say, hey, if you obey what he is teaching, you're going to lose your soul. And if we don't do that, we're not worth our soul. We have to share the gospel with people. God didn't build a denominational church. He didn't build any denominational church. He didn't build the Presbyterian church. He didn't build the Baptist church. Each one of these churches have a different gospel that they are preaching. And if you don't know that, you're going to lose your soul. Paul said, I am set for the defense of the gospel. That's what we, listen, we need to get geared up to teach the word of God. Not trying to, trying to, fel- 
don't, did you hear what John said? He said, don't fellowship these false teachers. One brother in Atlanta, Georgia, says that instrumental music is not a sin, that he can't condemn it, but instrumental music is against the New Testament law of God. And if people don't know that, they're going to be influenced to follow falseness and a false teacher. We got to fight for the right to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm standing with the apostles. I'm standing on the word of God. We're not to preach any other gospel. And the reason why the church is weak today is because that's all we have been preaching for the last 10 or 20 years. We got brethren that have just gone mad off of denominationalism. And they'll praise it. And they don't want you to say anything about it. Well, you can't control my mouth. You can control somebody else's out there, but you can't control me. I'm going to teach this gospel just like it is in the Bible. So the Bible is right. We must teach the gospel of Christ. The doctrine, listen to me now, the doctrine of the church is revealed in Scripture. (laughs) It's in the Bible. If you read the Bible, you can read about it because it's in the Bible. People believe many things that are not in the Bible, but they won't believe what's in the Bible. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Paul makes it very clear that those of us who are Christians, we must stand by the teachings of Christ. That is the doctrine of the church. And so it is of paramount importance that we bathe ourselves in the word of God. We need to get back to preaching the Bible. Back to saying the things that the Bible says. That's why Paul shouted out the other day, listen to him now, church. He said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is what we teach. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Bible is right. I got somebody back here trying to preach behind me. It sounded good. They couldn't stop. 
Listen. The doctrine of Christ is in the Bible. When you think of names, people call themselves uh, the Church of the Nazarene. I'm a Nazarite. That's not in the Bible. How can you be something that's not in the Bible and believe that you're saved when that thing is not in the Bible, but what is in the Bible, you will not become, but you'll be something that's not in the Bible. Jesus didn't be of the church of the Nazarene. Christ built his church. One Lord, one faith. One baptism, one body, one kingdom, one house. And he gave us descriptive phrases to wear. And the disciples were called Christians. That's in the Bible. But people say, well, what kind of Christian are you? What, what do you mean, what kind? Man, you're just a Christian, a child of God. And so it's what's in the Bible that matters. It's not what man says. It's what's in the Bible. And we got so many today that they they have no scripture for what they are doing. And yet they claim that what they are doing is acceptable in the sight of God. It's not. Jesus said in Matthew 15 and verse number 9, he said, but in vain do they worship me, teaching for the doctrines and the commandments of men. When was the last time you heard that scripture? We don't preach like we used to. Our churches don't have the force, don't have the power that they used to have. Because we're preaching everything but the doctrine of Christ. I stand with the Bible. I stand with the Word of God. That's where you're going to have to stand. If you want to go to heaven and be with God. The church, listen to me now, can teach no other doctrine than the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Man, you can't teach any other doctrine but what Christ taught and sent from heaven and left for us to teach. Now look at First Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 3. The Bible says, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Talking about any doctrine we'll do. No, any doctrine we'll not do. Paul said to Timothy, tell them not to teach any other doctrine, and he had reference to the doctrine of Christ. The only doctrine that the church of Christ should ever teach is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. John says, whosoever transgresseth, and abide is not in the doctrine of Christ, he has not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, 
He has both the Father and the Son. Stick with the doctrine of Christ. The church cannot embrace the doctrines of men. We just can't do it. For if we do, we, we, we dissatisfy God. The Bible tells us not to do those things that dissatisfies God. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. Paul said in Second uh, Timothy 4, 1 and 2, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. That's what God wants us to do. Don't let no man, woman, boy, girl keep you from preaching the word of God. He, he said preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. No matter what the church says. Your orders came from God through the noble Apostle Paul. Man, we better get up and preach the word of God. That's the thing that's going to save us. The Bible is right. In Revelation 2, 1 and 2, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. And the Bible says and has found them liars. There were some who tried to imitate the apostles. There were some who tried to imitate Christ. There were some who tried to imitate the true worship of the church. And there are some who tried to imitate the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of Christ is different. When you get it, you know it. John said, They've proven themselves to be liars. Then in Revelation 2, 14 through 17, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast uh, there them that behold, uh, them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So thou, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things John said I hate. Those were doctrines, but they were not doctrines that God approved of. Man, you better make sure you got the right doctrine. <laughs> the Bible says in Revelation 2.16, Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. The Bible says to him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the hidden manna, 
and would give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man know, which no man knoweth, save is he that receiveth it. I don't know about you, but I want my new name. What you say, Brother Johnson? I want my new name. Where the name that's mentioned in the Bible? The Bible says, and the disciples were called Christians first in the city of Antioch. Ah, uh, when you do what the Bible says, like the Bible says, you can't go wrong. In Revelation two twenty through twenty three, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. Because thou sufferest that woman, Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I would cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and heart. And I will give unto every one of you according to your words. God is letting you know that he's not playing with you. God is letting you know he's not playing with me. False doctrine of the uh, Laodiceans. False doctrines of the Nicolaitans. False doctrine of Jezebel. God called all of them out. Wasn't the word of God. I trust tonight that you will hear what God is saying. As I close tonight, I want you to know the church must hear the words of Jesus Christ. That's what we got to hear. We got to hear the words of Christ. You cannot believe any other gospel, but the gospel that God gave under the new covenant uh, church and under the new covenant system. And if we would believe that and obey that, then it would be well with our souls. So we must keep the words of Christ. We must keep his commandments, the Bible says, if we are to be pleasing and acceptable in the sight of Christ. Hebrews 5, 8 and 9, though he were a son, yet learn he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, the Bible says, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. you got to obey Christ. you got to obey Christ. Christ never told you to get in the Presbyterian church. He never told you to do that. Well, why are you in it? He never told you to obey Presbyterian doctrine. He told you to obey the doctrine of Christ. And the doctrine of Christ does not make you something that you can't read about in the Bible. The Bible says unto the angel, listen to him now, of the church in Philadelphia, write, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, 
He that hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shutteth. The Bible says that shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. The Bible says that thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. That's what God wants us to do. In this world today, don't deny his name. Don't deny Jesus. Don't deny the cross. Don't deny his miracles. Don't deny the Son of God. Don't deny his divinity. As they did over there in First John. Those people did not believe in Christ and did not believe in the fact that he was the Son of God. And then God said, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan. Now, people say all the churches are right. Well, let me ask you something. What about the synagogue of Satan? <laughs> That's a church. That's a religion. Is that right? The synagogue of Satan. <laughs> you know that ain't right. You stop saying all churches are right. There's not but one church in the Bible. That's the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, the church of Christ. Romans 16, 16, salute one another with the holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Yeah, you can read about it in the Bible. The Bible says, behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee because thou hast kept the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Good people, I've given you the word of God tonight. In order to be saved, you must believe Christ to be the Son of God. Hebrews 11 and verse number 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. You've got to have faith. You've got to repent of all of your sins. Luke 13 and verse number 3. Whatever you have done, you have to repent and come to Christ. Say, well, Brother Johnson, I've been no good. Well, all of us have been no good. At one point or another, but we came to Christ and emptied ourselves. The Lord save me, because I cannot save myself. You got to repent of your sins. You got to confess faith in Christ. Eunuch said, "I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God." I believe it. The people on the day of Pentecost said, men and brethren, what shall we do? The Bible says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's what you have to do. And you keep the doctrine of the church. And you keep the word of God. 
You live by the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. In John, the 16th chapter, as I get ready to close out tonight, I thank Stevie for giving me a lot of time to teach this word tonight. I feel good teaching it, too. And John 16 and verse number 13, listen at what the Bible says. The Bible says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall speak, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Now, if you can't find where the Holy Spirit spoke something in the Bible, then you need to leave it alone. Get away from it. Get out of it. Find the New Testament church. Ask for teaching. Ask someone to to teach you the gospel. Say, please, teach me the gospel of Christ because I'm lost and I want to be saved. Somebody will administer to your knees. The Bible is right. Love it. Keep it close to you. Live by it and do what God tells you to do. May God bless you. I thank you for listening. I'm not going to do anything but tell you what the Bible says. Because that's the right thing to do. Please tune in the next time you see me. Sunday morning. Come back and get some more gospel. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Jesus, one Holy Spirit, one church. All that oneness is there for a reason. Find the church of Christ. Get yourself baptized and be a faithful follower of Christ. When Jesus comes, he'll take you back to heaven. And you can live with the Lord forever. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. If I said anything that offended you, I can't apologize for the word of God. But it was all in an attempt to help you to understand the Bible. So take it with a grain of salt. Listen to God's word and obey him. Have a great night. Pray for this radio broadcast. May God bless you. We love you. And you have a great time. In the Lord, may you be baptized and get saved and live your life for Jesus. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we want we we're just thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly program. It's our prayer that the lessons that were given on the radio show this evening have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord's been strengthened because you not only tune in to this radio broadcast, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. I want to thank both my co-hosts, Glenn McMillian and Robert Lee Johnson, for their proclamations of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our co-hosts are really putting in uh Tremendous efforts on this broadcast each week in proclaiming the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Steve Albert, and I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts here for the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You've been listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show, episode 259. And if you miss me from singing, singing, and you can't find me nowhere, nowhere. come on up to glory. glory. I'll be singing the faith. Yes, I will. And I know the Lord, He will grieve me over yonder, over on the other shore. Praising the best. I'll be praising the best. Her minister, say to see all day Jesus will be the 